It's like sort of thing. Your, your internal dialogue is just gone. I don't know if there's like a specific way of accessing it. I wish I knew what it was, if there is. It's really hard to articulate, but the closest thing is just running naked around, you know? It's like being an animal. And it's like pure bliss. Improvisation. It's a mysterious force, difficult to define. There's no one way to do it, but it captivates many artists, igniting the creative spirit. I want the painting itself to show me, from my experience of putting the paint on the canvas, what can happen unreal. That's the British painter Frank Bowling. This tape podcast riffs off his work. Huge, colourful paintings that embrace chance and rhythm. Frank's been improvising for 85 years, sometimes aided by his assistant, Spencer Richards. Whatever happens with the paint when it hits the surface, he's prepared to go left, right, centre, or just improvise on, on, on that wild accident, as it were. So I wait for the paint to speak to me, and then I respond. You put the paint on a palette, and then you throw it on the canvas. And I was being very respectful and, and, and started you know, just barely dripping the thing, and then he said, just throw the paint, Spencer, just throw the paint. This is the art of improvisation. I'm Zakia Sewell. I'm a broadcaster and a DJ, and I know and love that feeling of being in the flow, picking out that perfect record just at the right moment. I want to know how it feels for artists and performers working in different fields. My first port of call is with two good friends and jazz musicians. My name is Axel Kainalistrom. I'm an improviser. I play the trumpet. My name is Deji Dechakin. I'm 20 years old and I play the tenor saxophone. To start, I'm, I'm just interested in how you would actually define improvisation. What does improvisation mean to you? I think music and improvisation especially speaks to the most primal parts of being a human being. Well, I, what I've been saying recently is that like jazz music is the embodiment of what it, it means to be an organism because there's a stimuli and a response, but there's no time to process in between what's going on. You just get the stimuli and response. You just keep on doing that just mm. incessantly. Obviously, like it's completely personal, isn't it, improvisation? So it's like... Like you come into contact with the truth of who you are, and that can be like a fearsome thing. And that comes out in, in the process, in the creation. Frank Bowling, what he, he kind of talks about inviting other forces in mm -hmm. to like bring inspiration and never having a kind of fixed idea. Never saying no. Never saying no, exactly. So this is one of his poured paintings, and it'd be really interesting to hear what your musical take is on that. Sure. Ready? I saw this part of the painting, right? This painting, this part here. Could you describe it? So at the top here, you have these darker tones that suggest a kind of landscape behind it. And then I realised that in the foreground here, this is actually some kind of distraction. So I looked at it for a bit, and then started playing. And then from that, um, in between, I was just playing what that made me feel. Mm. <laughs> 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 
improvising is like stepping into the wilderness. All artists have different approaches. Even where the starting point is the same, the routes taken will be entirely unique. Can I sign these two? Where are they going? Uh, to my studio. I'm at Chelsea College of Art, where I'm visiting the studio of artist Albert Dean. Thank you very much. <laughs> I think a lot of people, they have this notion of when they go to art schools, I'm going to have my studio and I'm going to have this, is, this bit is my space and this corner and this, I can have my table, I can have this, I can have my locker. And it's really, that's a really stuck way of being and it's not, it's not productive, I don't think. Not for, for what I consider like the modern artist to be multidisciplinary and someone that works across different mediums. There's kind of a need for that, I think. Yeah, I look out onto the Tate Britain here, just the front of it, and you can see the, the river. Something nice about looking down at the Tate and all the tourists. At the moment, there's paintings all over the floor. There's paintings on bits of old found door that one of my colleagues has done. There's printouts of photographs of other people's work kind of all over the walls. There's writing all over the walls as well, and there's spray paint. This canvas is massive, mm. so when you're kind of sat or stood in front of it and it is a blank canvas, do you have an idea about what you're going to put on it? When I start a painting, I never pre-plan it. I just, just start doing it and then kind of hope for the best, I think. The kind of feeling behind this painting is just kind of wine stains and the, and the feeling of staining cloth and staining the table. It's kind of terrifying when you're faced with that much blank space. And then if I do it wrong, which I have, I don't like this painting. I think it's rubbish. I'm like, like I've ruined it. Like it's too much paint on it. It's not, it's not exactly what I had in mind. It's the process of it is the thing that feels right or wrong. So the painting is never really that important. That process of improvising is the feeling that you have. So when it, it's kind of. Uh, it's like flow. There's some type of premonition you get before you play a note or before you play a scale or whatever, but it's not musical mm. and it's not a picture. It's just it's something really abstract yeah. that is really it's impossible to describe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think like that's... a whisper. A whisper. Yeah, something, I don't yeah, know. I know what you're saying. It's sometimes, sometimes it feels like it's a shape. Yeah. Sometimes you find the point where you're improvising and you get completely lost and everything is flowing and you feel amazing and some magic happens and then other times you feel like you can't move. Alethea Antonia is a dancer and choreographer who's recently taken the plunge into improvisation. I think there's always an element of anxiety, like you have no idea what's going to happen, like it could be amazing, it could be terrible. <laughs> um, but there's also this excitement of like the idea of being seen and being vulnerable. It's in every art form in a way. You find flow sometimes and sometimes you don't. If you're sculpting this narrative and then something happens, some kind of evil note comes from some <laughs> next place that you didn't want, you didn't want it to be there, do you know what I mean? <laughs> then you just continue and then suddenly you're on that journey. And yeah, man. It's like instinct, when you're improvising it's the instinct, but then you can, you're training up your subconscious through practice and through your, the yeah, discipline exactly. of your practice to um, be able to respond in the most fluid uh, and visionary way. I share the sentiment. Yeah. Because 
as you say, you practice mm -hmm. and you embed all of the things unconsciously through practicing and listening to music. And in the moment, you just gotta do your stuff. Watching performers improvise is super powerful. You and everyone else there knows that this moment will never be replayed. It's a fleeting thing, and there's something magical in that. I remember seeing a band called G-Bob Orchestra at a venue in South London not long ago. There seemed to be an element of improvisation, but within structure. I had to really focus to work out which bits were free and which bits weren't. I'm meeting with their band leader to find out. Are you ready to, to roll? I never know, should I say, like, hi, my name's Greta. I'm a founding <laughs> member of the ensemble. <laughs> Artistic director. Yeah. CEO, say CEO. CEO. I'm CEO. I'm Greta Ecott, the CEO of G-Bop Orchestra. We're currently based in Copenhagen and working as a six-drummer formation. I've always been very keen to allow lots of space for the, like, the individual players and I've always taken that as like the highest consideration when I'm writing, yeah, working with musicians, working with non-musicians, finding like what's, what can I bring out of them or what can they bring to it, that's the best bit, you know, to give something, like a starting point or whatever and see what people do with it and I'm, I don't think I'm ever disappointed by what people bring to it. The band kind of came out of also me reacting very much to things I'd been seeing and feeling like I had a very clear idea of like, oh, there's something, I want to do it differently. Playing in the middle of the room, always acoustic. I love the like really tense atmosphere. What for you is the difference between, you know, more formal approach to playing, making music, where you are reading the notes? I mean, I also, yeah, played, like, percussion in youth orchestra when I was, you know, 14 and stuff, and I found it terrifying. It was very, very high pressure, you know, to, to get this one note right. And <laughs> percussion's an extreme example also in the orchestra because it's really one note, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that you, you can't mess up. Um, I find it really hard if there's no structure. I can't, I'm not free at all, you know. I'm completely, I'm shut down. If there's some element of structure, then I can really get into it. Another example of this like, a, is like this canon piece, which was basically, you go through four motions. So like... And then jumping. Stillness. And then meandering, like. So you decide what your jumping sounds like. You decide what yeah. you're, yeah, everyone, everyone's meandering is going to sound different. Yeah. But there, so it's this idea of kind of this freedom within a structure, within yeah. boundaries. Yeah. And that's, I think that's very much at the heart of, like, this band. <laughs> disappeared out of nowhere like unreal I managed to think of this thing you can't prevent him from dancing and um, spreading and bleeding and the rest of it so 
I tend to take advantage of that natural phenomena and sort of hold it uh, to the extent that the mystery of it all still remains. That was a sound sculpture from a seed planted by Frank Bowling in the shape of Tony's Anvil, 1975. (laughs) Often when I think about improvisation, there's an assumption that it's something completely wild and free. But how do you avoid returning to familiar patterns, shapes and sounds? How free really is it? There's a thing, like, people do argue that nothing, nothing is improvised. I mean, for me, I kind of operate, when I improvise, I operate on a, on a kind of, uh, on the cusp of my ability, and I'm like, it could either, I could either execute it, or I could not execute it, you know, so I'm on that edge. And that, for me, is, I'm improvising then, but I'm like, it, I could just tip, yeah. you know, or I could yeah. stand and it can continue. In free improvisation, there's many elements that are not improvised, you know, in a in some context like working within a very specific sound world. That's not there's, that's not improvised, you know. This is things those players have been like developing, you know, incredible skills to produce these sounds which they're interested to work in, and like the improvised element then maybe is how they, you know, decide when and how they decide to play those but there's something very that's very fixed sometimes, you know? I feel like the body holds so much history, like, there's so much stored in there that it's bound to come out at some point. But I think it's always important to refresh, keep referring back to that history so that it becomes kind of a melting pot of things rather than each time you go on to the next thing, you're kind of wiping the slate clean. There's so much foresight that's required in improvisation, and obviously you draw that from your... From your subconscious and what you've learned, but you've got to be like a composer. You're not just like yeah. you're not just like a dog who's just like heard a bell and then gone to munch some trying to munch some food. Like you are, you are composing. You're visionary. You know. I can't say I particularly feel like a visionary when DJing, but I can relate to what Axel's saying. My sets are always improvised, but I have a bag full of records that I've been collecting for years. I've got the skills of mixing, which I've been practicing. It's all of this that allows me to go with the flow in the moment. But even if I did try and plan my set from start to finish, there are always chance elements that are out of your control. There is always, even if you're playing something which is completely written, or you know, there's always a kind of element of this life-giving improvisation because it is happening right there and then. Things are going to be happening, even if it's just someone doing something funny in the audience, which you react to, you know. It's creating this, that feeling, yeah. The time, the place, your mood, whatever you had for breakfast, all of these things can affect what happens when it comes to that moment of creation. Whether it's the way that you throw paint on the canvas, the note you choose to play, or how you move your body. Oh, wow. You just shut there. Alethea Antonia's dance studio is tucked away in an industrial estate in West London. She's practising her solo performance, Inscribed in Me, which I've been invited to watch. That she's on? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Oh, 
usually when I improvise, I tend to take an emotion or a feeling or a quality. The piece kind of stemmed from a personal kind of need to work through some things that I was going through at the time when I was making it. The first section is called The Voice, the second is called The Body, the third is called The Heart, and the fourth is called The Mind. Even though the movement is improvised, the text isn't, which means there's something to hold on to, or there's a structure to hold on to that never really changes. But then there's also kind of the improvisation of the voice because I might move a certain way and that changes how my voice moves. It's a lot to do with the floor and it's a lot to do with different positions that make me, that make me think back to certain situations um, and somehow how I can take ownership of those uncomfortable places. But those are the things that I try and kind of define and then whatever happens in that moment kind of happens, which is, I think, one of the, the beauties of it for me. To rewrite and forget. For me, when I first performed it, I was so scared because... It's something I'd never done before and I never felt that exposed. But then there was such a, like, a liberation that came afterwards. I was like, OK, I did it. And it felt, I felt like I let something go. I felt like I bared something and there were people there to witness it. And that was a, I felt like that was a special thing. Because I remember when I tried to perform it afterwards, I was always like, oh, but it doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel like it did the first time. Or what was it that made it feel like that? But then I realised that, Okay, actually, the beauty of improvisation is not about recreating. At the core of it, once it's happened, then that's the art made, and you have to let it go. It's a useful skill, this ability to let things go, to be flexible, responding to the demands of the moment. I wonder if this spirit of improvisation can extend beyond the stage in the studio and into real life. I'm going to... I'm going to quote David Bowie because I'm going to do it a lot, but he, he once said something along the lines of, you do your best work when you go out in the water just that little bit more when your feet aren't quite touching the bottom. And to me, that's what improvisation is. It's kind of, I can swim, but I don't know if I can swim this far out. That kind of forcing yourself to, or sometimes you're not even forcing yourself, you just kind of have to adapt to a situation. It's a very human thing to kind of improvise. Maybe it's just the simple act of saying yes. The way I live my life right now was pretty sporadic and improvised. Last week, on my birthday, I turned 20 in Switzerland. Got lit, and then came back to London. My friends kept on saying, let's go Sheffield, let's go Sheffield. I was like, okay, cool, I'll just come for the night. End up staying there for a week. <laughs> and I had a great time, and then so many crazy things, but I also lost my passport. The joy in it for me is not knowing what's going to happen, not knowing where I'm going, and just exploring. And I think it's something that everybody should experience because it's just like parallels with life, it's crazy. 
we don't just don't know what's going to happen. Like you can have in the conversation and suddenly you're not in the moment anymore, you're thinking too much and you start not really listening and then there's a bit of dialogue that just gets missed and it's the same thing that happens if you're moving with someone or you're doing contact improvisation and you're not really like present in that moment. It's important as an artist to never forget that it's not an isolated thing that happens in a studio. Like you can bring that and reflect on what's happening in the studio to things that are happening in the world and in your life. My room that I share with my partner is a really improvised space. For instance, my bed, it's a mattress and two pallets. The real world outside of school. I think it does require a lot of improvising, like working with your environment and what's around. And there is something kind of joyous and magical about that. Whether you're having a conversation with somebody or creating a work of art, being present and alert, taking chances and being spontaneous, these are the things which can make us feel more alive. Frank Bowling. Well, like I say, go with the flow, you know, your heart's beating. You know, the flow of paint is what hooks me. What might look like chaos, but is almost always sort of bubbling with life. You know, life is... Um, it's not so um, straightforward and um, happiness involves going with the flow. Dive into 60 years of experimentation and improvisation at the Frank Bowling Exhibition at Tate Britain from the 31st of May to the 26th of August 2019. The exhibition is supported by AGC Equity Partners, with additional support from the Frank Bowling Exhibition Supporters Circle, Tate America's Foundation, Tate International Council, Tate Patrons and Tate Members. The Art of Improvisation is a Tate podcast produced by Hannah Dean and presented by me, Zaki Asul. It was a Falling Tree production with music from Cicada, G-Bob Orchestra and The Evil Usses.